Today's episode is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible is a seller and producer of spoken audio entertainment, information, and educational programming on the internet. Audible sells digital audiobooks, radio and TV programs, and audio versions of magazines and newspapers. To start using Audible today, please visit their website at www.audible.com. That's www.audible.com. Welcome to another episode of Taking You to the Top. In this podcast, Rami spends time speaking with founders and CEOs from across the globe and asks them specific questions to learn exactly how they launched their businesses. Before we get started with today's guest, please follow Rami's Instagram account and subscribe to his YouTube channel so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. If you'd like to watch previous episodes, simply click on Rami's IGTV section or visit the YouTube channel to watch those episodes. If you'd like to get more information and analytics about each guest, simply click on the website link in Rami's bio. Now, let me spend a moment to introduce today's guest before Rami gets started. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of BTH Properties. He runs an independent, local business with a truly specialized, deep, specified understanding of a unique property sector and prides himself in providing the highest standards of one-to-one -one client care. Join Rami in welcoming him to the show. If you have any questions for our guest today, please leave them in the comments section below. That being said, we hope you enjoy today's episode. Without further ado, are you ready to take it to the top? Okay, Murtaza, welcome to the show. This is episode number three of Taking wow. You to the Top. I'm only just getting started, and I have to thank you for that. Actually, I love the idea of talking to people and learning what they do, hopefully spreading the message. So uh, thank you for that. So if, if you... It's a, pleasure. it's a pleasure to be on your on your show, and I thank you for coming on my show and spreading the knowledge and the positivity that you did a while back you know it's it, this is what it is all about right it's about sharing positivity the knowledge that we gain through business doing business all that kind of stuff with Absolutely. other people so it's it's good to be here great so i'm sure you're going to do a better job at introducing yourself than i would so if you wouldn't mind giving us sort of a background where you're from, what was sure. the beginning of your journey to sure. where you reached uh, today? Um, so I'll just uh, start off with saying my name is Murtaza Heather Mota, and I'm the director of BTH Properties in London. We're based in London in Holland Park, and I deal with properties all over London and the UK in terms of um, luxury apartments, normal apartments, you know, houses, developments, investments, um, development sites uh, where you can build homes, um, investments all over the UK in terms of uh, a lot of times people come up and say that, do you only deal with one million pound homes or do you deal with anything less? So I do deal with properties which are below the million pound mark and they can start from anything from 50,000 going up to 100 million. So I deal with all kinds of properties. Um, to just answer your question as to uh, where I come from originally, I come from Pakistan. 
uh, Karachi. And um, I grew up in Karachi uh, all my life for 19 years. Schooling, I went there. College, I went there. And then after college, my father decided that <clears throat> it's best to send his sons to the UK. And so it was me first that I came to the UK to study. <clears throat> At that point, um, business studies and human resources was pretty big in Pakistan. I mean, yes, of course, there's engineering and there's architecture and there's accounting and lawyer and all that kind of stuff. But HR had taken a new shape in Pakistan. So at that point, I decided that I want to get into HR and <clears throat> deal with people. You know, human resources is all about dealing with people. And that's what I wanted to get into and work with people. But uh, when I started university and I sort of came here um, and I started my studies at the University of East London in uh, Barking, which is in Essex, mm -hmm. about uh, from central London, it's about 45 minutes to, to, to get there. And in the first year, two years, I sort of studied business and just straightforward business which was doing human res uh, doing marketing accounts finance a bit of human resources economics and that just kind of i did that for two years and i was sort of at the end of those two years i was bored that i didn't want to go into my third year and final year doing the same thing and getting a degree in business studies with human resources you know it doesn't make sense because i have studied I did not study human resources. I studied each and every angle of business. And that's where I decided that I want to go to my uh, personal tutor that I had. And I asked him that, look, I'm, I'm bored of studying this, these subjects and again and again and again. And I'm sure in the third year, I'm going to have the same subjects again, you know, and there's like a limit. <laughs> there's a limit of what how much I can take in so I asked him like can I do something else like I'm in my final year I just want to do maybe uh, two three subjects of another course or something so he said yes why not you can change your degree into a combined uh, honors degree and you can do two subjects at the same time so you can study business and you can study something else so I so he said there's a list go and choose what you want so I scanned through and I came up to international politics and uh, perfect you know, politics let's, let's study <laughs> politics um, and then I think after I told him that I'm going to do this five minutes later I called my father and I told him that dad I'm going to be studying business studies along with politics and he was like what was what the reaction to yeah this is the reaction what do you want to become the prime minister of Pakistan <laughs> <laughs> You know, typical Asian fathers thinking. That's how it is, right? Because exactly when you when you tell them something outside the box, it's like you know, I didn't I didn't send you to London to study politics. I sent you to London to study business. Exactly. But then, anyways, I persuaded him and I told him that look, I, I I I've had enough of studying business studies and I'm not doing anything in the human resources. So it's best to do something else. So I studied politics. Little did I know that. When I started politics, and the, 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 the term was international politics, so I thought right. that I'll be studying 
politics all over the place. I'd be studying politics of Pakistan, of the US, of Europe, of uh, Southeast Asia, all that right. kind of stuff. And the first few weeks went past and it became clear to me that international politics is actually equaling to US politics. So all I studied was Absolutely. US politics. You know, I mean, it circles around a, and ends up at U.S. politics in the end, right? Of course, of course. You know, they, they, they control at that point. I mean, we're, this is going back 2007. So at that point, U.S. was still in charge of a lot of things around the world. Since, sure, sure. Uh, you know, after a few years, then China came up and that kind of stuff. Now. But even then, it gave me a different angle to see how politics is you know right what did those presidents of the u.s do to the rest of the world for the world to be shaped up today it how is. it is yeah. exactly and 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 uh, you know people say that the world is shaped up according to how a lot of big wealthy individual politicians you know, um, financial uh, 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 ministers and all that kind of stuff, they shape up the world. No, it's not. It's actually the U.S. of how they want to treat the world is how they shape up the world accordingly. And today we are seeing that, right? We're seeing all that happening in front of us with, you know, just take a few months in our context right now with COVID, with lockdown, with, with the protests that's now going on, you know, they dictate a lot of things that go on in the world. And it was good to know about all of that. And, and, and at that point, I was a student, so I was just learning. But now right. when I put those things into context, it shows that U.S. actually controlled the whole world. And today, even they do, even, I mean, people say that China is a rising economy and, and, and they're doing stuff but then again US sort of pulls the strings whenever they want to do it it just depends whether you're going to fall for it or not so that was my study background that I, I, I uh, wanted to get into and I graduated in 2008 and before I graduated uh, during my university <laughs> years I sort of got hooked up with my wife now who was at that point studying architecture and she's a fully qualified architect now. And okay. during that time, although I was doing human resources, but I had that vision in my mind that if she's doing architecture and I'm doing business, maybe we can study some, we can, we can do something together and, and build a family business. And I always had this in my mind that I want to build a family business. Because my father, yes, alhamdulillah, he sent us to the UK to study. And no one in my family or my generations had come to the UK to study. You know, so okay. I was, me and my brother were the first from my family to come over here, forefathers. So to, you, to, were, to, you were the pioneers. Of course. And, but I had one vision in my mind when I always started, and that was that I want to build my own business uh, no matter it'd be a small business even but i want to build it so that this is a key point here that and you touched upon it as well that your father built your uh, uh, the business that you're working for and you gathered all that experience and you put that in you're you're making that work into your father's business today 
and but I didn't have that. And and my father was he he worked for someone all his life for the biggest insurance company in Pakistan. He was at the the highest position, and he still is. He's he still is at the highest still position working. in there. He's still working there, and he's still doing it. And you know, he made us study here. He he bought us a house here. He did a lot of stuff that many parents wouldn't for their kids, possibly because they don't have the 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 uh, the funds or the you know to go out and give that advantage to their kids that listen don't worry Absolutely. about anything your father's sitting you know so we had that but the point was that i wanted to go off and do something better and even from a young age like i used to see that my my friends who were the friends of my father's friend circle you know they were the right. kids so we were in the same friend circle and i used to see them they used to go to your, their father's factories and industries and 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 because the only person not to have his own business in my father's friend circle was my father. The rest right. of them, they all had their business. It'd be a small paint business, small hardware shop, a big textile industry, you know, yeah. uh, uh, producing motors and all that kind of stuff. They all had that, but I didn't have that. So I sort of had that vision in my mind that I want to do something where I have that business. And if my kids want to fall back on that, they always have that. And this is what, when, when I finished studies, I didn't have that, right? I didn't, all my friends, they came to the US, they came to the UK, they went to Southeast, they went to Australia, Canada to study. And they, once they finished studies, they all went back to their father's businesses and they were perfect. There was no interviews to be taken, all that kind of stuff. And when I finished studies, I had to go ahead and give like 26 odd interviews to become a real estate agent in London. Oh, hold on, hold on. So now yeah. <laughs> I just want to clarify. So politics out the window. No, politics was just like, I was bored of studying business. So politics was just uh, uh, sort of take me through the third year of university. That's it. Okay. Okay. So the core, the base was business. Of course, uh, and 100%. we can call uh, politics was like an add-on. Yeah, just to okay. just so that I am so th so that I'm not bored of studying at university. I didn't want to drop out. You know, and then so, now your your wife does architecture. You've completed she does business. She, yes. So you decided. Let's. We decided to sort of business. sort of sort start start a family business. She's not yet working here with me because. We've got three kids and she's looking right. after them. And, and, and uh, I just want to say one thing out here as well, that to all the women right. or to all the men also, that having a wife who is a housewife is the biggest job in the world to be here. Biggest I know exactly job what you mean. <laughs> you are raising lives. And, you know, a father is there, a man is there, he goes out, he works, he earns the money and everything. But who brings up your child? Who looks after your child 24-7? You know, your child, when he gets hurt, he does not call for papa. The first words he says <laughs> is, mama, you know, I, I'm hurt. You know, and that's what it is, right? It's so... Anyone who thinks that being a housewife is 
is depriving a woman of her her career, her job, her 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 you know her aspirations. That can all come once the kids are raised. You know, kids don't take time to get raised. I mean, my son's now ten years old. My daughter's eight years old. Those two kids are going to school. They're fully grown up, sort of thing, and they can manage themselves. The only reason she's at home right now is because we have a small daughter who's three years old. And once she starts going to school, then the whole plan is that my wife is going to start working here on a part-time basis, whatever hours she can find for herself to do that and build her career from now on because we're not having any more kids. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, uh, so I, I, have, how... I have three of my own, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a big job in its own. And when, when, when I finished university and when she finished her university, I spoke to her about this, that, look, I want to start my, my own business. Before I start my own business, I need to get experience. And right. to get that experience, I had to go like yourself, I had to work for other companies, get that experience in. And the last year of my university, I remember that I started taking interviews because I knew that once I finish university, I don't want to sit at home. I cannot sit at home. I need to start my life, start my career as soon as I finish university. So uh, while I was doing that, I sort of got a part-time job doing a property inventory uh, job kind of thing. I don't know if you know what property inventory is, but over here in the UK, when you rent out properties, uh, when you rent out properties, there's a survey done. Uh, okay. of the condition of the of the flat or the house like the walls the ceilings the lightings the the kitchen the, the, the bathroom all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and you make a report and then you uh present that to uh, the landlord and the tenant and they agree okay. upon the fact that this report is perfect and this is how the house was given to us and then you do a checkout report when they leave after a year or six months or whatever and you present that report again and that's how they uh, sort of match the report and then that's how the cost of deduction is made in case there are any damages within uh, the property during that time then that comes out of the deposits of the uh, tenant is that cost agreed upon before the contract um or is it just after after the fact uh, one cost that is agreed is the clean. Now, for example, if you're a landlord and I'm the tenant and you spent a hundred pounds cleaning the property professionally, and I just do uh, uh, the at the end of the tenancy, I do a checkout, I do a clean myself rather than hiring a professional cleaner, then right. you will be charging that hundred pounds from my deposit because I did not clean professionally. And then there are other costs as well. Sometimes, you know, like one great example that my boss at that time for the company used to tell me is that maybe when you're angry, you might bash the door against the wall. Right. You know, and those kind of costs are then like maybe there's a damage to the carpet, you know, when you're ironing and you're in full swing and you put the iron on the carpet and the carpet burns, all that kind of stuff. So those were the, I mean, those sort of things are now dependent on the landlord. Possibly if the iron will, iron damaged the carpet, then you would have to change the whole carpet. So those costs would right. then incur. And those costs cannot be judged before the tenant sort of moves in or, or moves out. It always comes out once they have the cost 
given by the relevant builder or, or their uh, DIY guy, whoever comes in, okay. and they, 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 they give the cost and then that cost is deducted. So I did that for a year. I actually did that for the whole of my third year at university. And during that time, I gave interviews at other estate agents as well too, so that once I finished my university, and not only that, but if someone wanted a part-time agent uh, working on a Saturday and Sunday for them, you know, uh, just to get experience, you know, because when I was giving interviews, the major thing that I was being told as a rejection was, Murtaza, you don't have enough experience. You don't have enough experience. You don't have enough experience. And that sort exactly of caught up that. on, yeah. you know, and, and, and that sort of caught up in me. And I was like, where do I get this experience? University didn't teach me any experience. They all they gave me was studies, you know. Um, and then literally the day I gave my last exam, that was my 26th interview. I finished my exam and I ran to the inter. I had to go to the other side of the city to give my interview, went uh, there for the interview. And normally there would be like a basic pay like a mobile expense or, or car expenses that they would pay. Transportation. The, the companies yeah. would, exactly, the companies would pay. But this guy, when I went to give him an interview, and I was so like, um, my morale was really down at that point because I, you can imagine that I gave like 26 interviews to just become a real estate, a trainee, a startup agent. You know, I am not experienced. I'm at university studying, but I want to become something. So you can imagine the morale was really, really low. And even at one point, my mother even said that, Murtaza, why don't you go and get a job at a, a, a departmental store or something like that, you know, and, and earn something, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I, and I was like, mom, if I wanted to earn, I'm earning right now. I've got a job as a property inventory clerk. I can do that, right? And I can do it for as long as I want. And... I went there, gave the interview, and the guy said to me that, Murtaza, you're going to work on commissions, strictly commissions. There's no basic, there's no yeah. expenses, there's no anything. You're just going to work on commissions. And I was so like low at that point, and I just said, okay, I'll do it. No problem. Let's do it. You know, I, I, I thank you for giving me the chance, and that's how I started into this industry. That's incredible. I mean, usually with, with strictly commission-based jobs or positions, it's a huge risk to take. I mean, were you married of course. At, that, at that point? Or? Um, the next yeah. year I got married. Just after, okay. after the, the first year of being at that company, the following year I got married. But it was really tough. Like it took me three months to get my first deal. Obviously, I had my parents' home that I was living at, my, and I told my mom and dad that, look, I'm working on commissions, and they were sort of... Today's episode is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible is a seller and producer of spoken audio entertainment, information, and educational programming on the internet. Audible sells digital audiobooks, radio and TV programs, and audio versions of magazines and newspapers. To start using Audible today, please visit their website at www.audible.com. That's www.audible.com. They were understanding 
and open to the fact that that their son might need some help for the first few months doing this. And I quit that inventory job as well the same day that I got this job because there was no point of doing that. The whole reason for me to do that is to know the London city well. And literally that taught me of how to get around because I had to drive from one property to another and do do like six, seven surveys in a day. You know, wow. so I, I, I sort of got to know the city really well. Um, and then that was it. And, and, and I started the job uh, working there. And then once I got my first deal after the three months, I wouldn't say it was smooth sailing because I was there for three years at that company. And I sort of got into my comfort zone. But the deal started coming easy. Sort of, you know, someone as if someone had opened the tap and it was just flowing. But not, not flowing as much as I wanted it to. But yes, there was water coming out of that and it was good. I was in a, I was in a comfortable spot. Sometimes I used to go back, uh, you know, during the first year even. I used to finish my month and I used to have zero in my pocket because I couldn't close a deal that month and there was no basic. So times were tough. And during those three years, I got married, uh, had a son, all that kind of stuff. And then one day I um, had gone for a trip and I came back and my boss said that I've now sold the company to another bigger estate agent in London. So they might give you a call that they want to hire you. And I just switched off at that point. I was like, I'm done here. This is my time up. I think this is a sign from God that Murtaza, this is the time you should get out and start your own business. And literally the next week, I just took it off. And I, I, I spoke to my mom, dad, my wife and, and, and just to figure out a way of how to do this. Luckily, my father had built an outhouse in the same house that we were living in. Mm -hmm. So having an office working from there wasn't a problem, you know, but the only problem was of how to start the business because all I had was a thousand pounds left over from my previous job. And you can imagine a thousand pounds can like go by in a day. Absolutely. You know, and especially in London. Absolutely. And uh, that's it. That's how I started uh, uh, my property company. At that point, it was called MIT Property Consultants because it was only me, my wife and my son at that point that I started in 2011. And gradually, then I had my daughter. And then in 2017, I had my uh, third child, my daughter again. And that's when I decided to name, rename the company as BTH Properties. So, Batul Tahir Hussaina. That's how it, it makes BTH Properties. Um, and literally, that was it. And, and during the first uh, year of me starting the business, times were tough, like really tough, because neither did I have a database of people. Um, I just had a few contacts that I was working with, uh, you know, sort of doing hundred pound deals, 200 pound deals, maybe a thousand here. Well, now that you stuff. mentioned, now that you mentioned yeah. deals, yeah. I think the last time we spoke, you were mentioning specific percentages. Yeah. So is it like, is it a known percentage for real estate, like 3%? Um, 
in the market out here. So there are two markets, right? One's the lettings market and one's the sales market. So okay. I'll start with the sales one first. The sales market, if you sell a property in London or in the UK, you get a percentage of around 1% to 2% of the purchase price. Okay. That's the norm. Now, what happens, like, there are properties in, in Manchester, in Liverpool, in Newcastle, all these places where the ticket price of properties is very less. Like you could get a two bedroom flat for like a hundred thousand pounds. So on those, the sale commission then goes up to like 5%, 6%, you know? Uh, so that's so are you, are you commission. tapping into both markets or are you strictly in London? No, I, I do the whole of UK. So I go wow. anywhere. Uh, six months ago, eight months ago, I sold the hotel up in Scotland. So mm -hmm. it just depends of, I never say no to an opportunity. You know, yeah. anyone yeah. calls me up and tells me that Murtaza, we've got this property or we're looking for this property or we're looking for this or we're, we've got a hotel like in Scotland. You know, this guy called me up one day and he saw my advert on, 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 on the social media platform and everything. And he said that Murtaza, I've got a hotel up in Scotland that I would like you to sell. Uh, marketed that for like five months. And then in the end, someone called me up and said that I'm looking for a hotel in Scotland, in Glasgow. And this is what I saw. So I want to go and see it. Literally, he went to see it. The next day I had an offer. I had an offer on it. So, you know, like sometimes I, and uh, being a Muslim, the belief in, in, in God is like phenomenal. You know, he does things for a reason. Um, you know, you, it has happened so many times in my career uh, that I've never thought of it and it's happened. Exactly. And something that I think of constantly never tends to happen. Because, exactly. you know, possibly he's not got it written in there that he, this is not the way he's going to get paid. This is the way he's going to get paid. And this is how I'll drive him to it. So, you know, and, and over the years, my belief has grown so strong in, 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 in religion and God that all this that I'm doing, all this, everything, the live sessions, the deals, the, the meetings, the viewings, everything, I think 99. 9999% comes from him. And that 0.01% is me going out and doing the effort of calling up or sending an email or, or social mediaing myself, all that kind of stuff. It's the way I believe that it works. And I'm sure you, you do believe in that same way yes, that, yes. you know, everything happens for a reason. And the reason is, because he wants it to happen for you. Exactly. And that's how I, that's how I base everything in my life. You know, it'd be personal life. It'd be business life. I know for sure that it's happened because he wants it to happen. Right. And he, and he will only do it at the time that he thinks is right for you. Exactly. Not when you think it's right for you. It's, it's, it's just, and that belief has grown stronger and stronger every single day. Amazing. I, I, I wanted so, to ask, uh, when you started the company, 
you mentioned that you had no funds at that stage, or maybe you had a thousand pounds left over. Yep. Yep. What, what I'm trying to get at here is you managed to make it happen even with a thousand pounds. Um, well, I'll tell you what happened there is that I spoke to uh, two of my very good friends and they were at that time doing um, IT contracting kind of business where they were working in banks and, and um, like uh, energy uh, companies and all that kind of stuff. And um, they used to look after their IT sort of, you know, computers and the network and all that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. I went to them and I said that, look, I'm having difficulty out here. I've taken the step to run my own business, but I need some, I need an income coming in. Well, what do I do? So they went out of there when I, I till this day, thank them for that, that if that wasn't the case, possibly I wouldn't be here today, you know, because they put me into an IT contracting business for six months. And through those jobs that I did, I sort of funded the business also and funded my personal life also. Okay. So, I mean, it was, it wasn't like a loan or some sort no, of it wasn't. funding. No, no. It was just uh, friends and family assistance, let's call it. Of course. And, and, and I was working okay. there and in uh, the, the reason I did it for six months, I thought I would do it for longer. But after six months, that contract also finished. Okay. And I could see that my business was getting affected for doing this day job. Because normally people who want to view properties, they'll want to view it in the daytime, in the evening. And I wouldn't get time because I started at nine and I finished at six. So by the time I sort of got to anything, things were closed. And sometimes I used to do viewings at like nine o'clock in the evening, you know, just to show the property. And so real estate, you have to give it like full time. Of course, of course. There Absolutely. is not a single second that you can sleep because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of agents, not only just around the world, but in the UK, you have like at least, at least about 20,000 different companies working and doing this. Now, 20,000 different companies, God knows how many agents, you know, are doing this, God knows how many properties they're selling. So it's like a cutthroat kind of business that if I don't answer your phone right now, if you're inquiring about this property, then go to possibly the next you might go to another person. He might sell you, I lose the deal. So it had to be like that. And then I saw my business getting affected uh, over the time of these six months that when I couldn't put my time in and, and I was losing deals left, right and center. And then after six months when the contract finished, I just decided that that's it. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to concentrate on this and I'm going to do this completely. But if for somebody who's listening and they want to start their real estate journey, for example, yeah. Does it, does it take a huge amount of capital to get started or you just have to start getting contacts and that's the, that's I mean, the starting. I mean, now in today's day and age that I, that we are in right now with Instagram, with LinkedIn, with Facebook, with Twitter, all these kinds of stuff, these were not there when, I mean, these were there, but in 2011, when I started, they weren't that big. Right. 
you know, people wouldn't go and post properties on, on, on social media all over the place and, 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 and do deals. So I had to have that capital because you had to pay property portals for your advertisement. You had to pay your staff for, for, for making brochures and all that kind of stuff. But today you can just start with having a phone, with having a computer. And if you have the deals and you know the right people, like you can find people on social media so easily these days. So easy. You, you, you can just type in anyone's name and they will come up and, and especially LinkedIn, for example, like, um, in 2016, I cut my ties with all the property portals that I was working on. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've heard about right move, uh, there's Zoopla, there's on yeah, the market, all these, all these portals. I cut my tie off because they were sort of becoming like Google of how you should advertise your properties. Like if you paid them more, they would put you on the top. If you paid them less, they would put you on the bottom. So it was, was a ranking. Like, yeah. You know, what am I doing out here? I'm wasting like a thousand pounds per portal to get me in there. And yet another agent could easily pay 500 pounds more on top of me and have the same property, but be on the top. So what's yeah. the point? Exactly. Where's the equal opportunity out here? And that's when I just, and, and from 2012 to 2016, I, I sort of saw how social media is helping me in growing my business. You know, okay. started from LinkedIn. Um, and then I think three years down the line, I went on to Instagram. And, and now, today, all my property dealings, all my property business is done by word of mouth and social media. So I've not used a property portal for four years and it's just been word of mouth, uh, social media and my website. That's it. Three things. Perfect. So to answer your question in today's day and age, you wouldn't need that much capital. You could easily start with a thousand pounds and do as much as you want. But obviously, every business requires funding. Every business requires capital. If you don't put, if you don't inject the capital constantly, the business will. No, no, I completely, of... I, I completely agree with that. But the yeah. reason I'm asking is usually people like to come up with excuses when they're when they course, start a business. Of course, of course, of course. So hundred percent. The number one excuse that I hear is, I don't have I the don't money have the to money. start a uh, to start a business. And and a prime example for me for that was also my father. When my mother used to nag him constantly that you need to start your own business. It's been enough amount of years that you've stuck at this company. You've given them your fullest, start a business. And he would be like, right now, I don't have the money. Right now, I don't have the money. But yet he would go out and invest into properties, buy land. Um, all that kind of stuff. Yes, he, I mean, he had, a, he had quite a few streams of income, but never did he start up his own business. Okay. And possibly if he started up his own business, then I might not have been here today. Right. <laughs> Amazing how this 
all comes together. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, just I had one more question regarding the the business side before we wrap up with the famous five. Um, yep. What's your current team size? So right now it's me that does all the dealings and all the uh, sales, everything. But I have a marketing team that's based in Romania and they are a marketing team of 10 people that look after all my work in terms of marketing, social media. I mean, today, yes, you do need other people to do what you are doing, but then it also comes with a lot of trust. I mean, I've burnt my fingers in the past where I hired agents and they sort of backstabbed me in taking my work and taking my clients and not giving their fullest to the business. So all that kind of stuff. So today it's me in terms of running the business, but the yes, UK is the whole, 10 in Romania is exactly, exactly. Perfect. Okay. So, um, are you ready for the famous five? Absolutely. Go ahead. Great. So number one, what's your favorite business book? What's my favorite business book? Uh, yeah. don't have one because I don't read books. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But no I've heard a lot about, I've heard a lot about rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. I mean, I'll answer this question in another way. Sure. For me, a person, an individual, a human is a book. And if I read him, and if I work with him, then I have learned so much from that person. And doing these live sessions in the last two months or so, I, I did about, now I'm at like 85, 90 live sessions. Yeah. The wealth of knowledge that I've earned in these two months of lockdown no school, no college, no university can teach you that. And no book. I agree. Because book is another person's perception. It's what they have gone through. You are reading that so that you can apply some of those things in your life. But if you yeah. speak to tens and thousands of different people, you have that knowledge, which a book could provide you, and you could have that in here. And that's how I see life right now. And my father used to be like, this summer vacation, I want you to read 10 books. And after the summer vacation, he would be like, how many books did you read? I'm like, that zero. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was just one of those things. All right, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Is there a CEO I'm following or studying? Yes, I am following a CEO, but I'm not studying him. He is the owner of Beecham Estates in the UK, in London, and his name is Gary Hersham. Gary? He is Gary Hersham. He is... Got it. If not, I would, I regard him 
as the best agent that the UK has ever produced, ever. And just to top that up, this guy in 2020, January, he sold the world's most expensive real estate house in the world, which was sold for 200 million pounds to a Chinese uh, buyer. The most expensive house ever sold in the world. Amazing. So uh, you probably need to ask him to watch this show. Do you know him personally? But, yes, I do know him personally, but he won't watch it. He doesn't spend any time on social media. <laughs> All right. Uh, number three, do you have a favorite online tool for building or growing your company? Instagram. Instagram. Number four, if you could give your 20-year-old self a piece of advice, what would it be? Life's going to be tough. Hold up. Be positive. Because the next 15 years, which I've already seen, uh -huh. are so going to get even tougher till the day you die. So, gear up. Absolutely. And the final one, how many, how many hours of sleep do you get per night? Um, I would say about, I'll be lucky if I get six, but four to five hours. So average six? Average five, five hours. Five hours. Perfect. Well, Murtaza, that's all we have time for. Uh, I thank you so much again for being on the show. I really it's hope- It's been a pleasure. I can have a follow-up call with you maybe a year down the line. Maybe you've sold uh, 10 other hotels. Maybe I can get a free night out of it. Who knows? Of course. Uh, you're breaking up. Sorry. I was just going to say, hopefully by the next call, you've already yeah. sold 10 hotels and I can get a free night out of it. Of course, 100%. I hope so. Absolutely. Inshallah. Great. Thank, Thank you so, you so much, much again. for having me, Mr. Rami. It's been, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. I mean, no one's ever interviewed me. And let me tell you, these famous five, I love them. It's oh, amazing. You're going to take the idea. Huh? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. My, 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 way of, my way of conversating is totally different, but I really like that. I like the concept. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible is a seller and producer of spoken audio entertainment, information, and educational programming on the internet. Audible sells digital audiobooks, radio and TV programs, and audio versions of magazines and newspapers. To start using Audible today, please visit their website at www.audible.com. That's www.audible.com.